You ready for this, folks? Like, listen, we are now at this moment in time as of 10 o'clock. We're, we're up to 1,008 hours of unceasing prayer. Now, yeah, we're entering the 43rd day of un nonstop prayer and worship and reading the word of the Lord to charge the atmosphere. This is... I want you to realize this because we, we didn't go this far, and I'm, I pray that this is heard by many, that they would correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe this is the longest 24-7 expression that's happened in New England. It's historic. And, you know, I say that without any boasting because back in the day, in the, like 2000, we had about 10 hours a day going, and in this house of prayer and I know many people all over New England that run with this prayer vision right but the longest I know of in the 30 some years that I've been in New England right ministering is Lou Ingalls 40 days of prayer and that's 960 hours of prayer we were there Youth storm was instrumental down in Boston we literally moved our whole team down there and just stayed there and just poured out and just invested in this expression um, you know, there may be some obscure Catholic monastery that I'm not considering, but 30 years, I would probably hear about something like this, especially when your heart and your passion is about prayer, fasting, God's visitation. But I want you to understand the significance of this. We're not boasting because we've done this 24-7 approach years ago. And I'm telling you, it took all of our energy to be able to even mobilize that 10 hours a day. And our vision was 24-7. We never got close. And then God just comes and says a simple word, will you accommodate me? Will you make room? He says it to this, this, this church. And this is what he did. It is him. It is not just for the record, any of my vision casting ability or my gift sets, it is 100% it is the Lord. We are just stewarding, which means helping to make room, accommodating him. This is a beautiful thing. And I, I just want you to see, because we shared at one family dinner and our kids are like, we didn't realize it was that significant. Like, and I'm like, I thought I was clear, but I guess I wasn't. So I'll try again. But this is... This is significant. It's a very powerful thing. Um, remember that wor word on whirlwind that I got in the tent? Remember when, like, you know, Dan Lee was just giving all these prophetic words, and then all of a sudden he said, and the whirlwind will catch up to Sean. Next word. And then just, and I was stunned. I searched the scriptures. I prayed because I'm like, wow, this is that, folks. This is the, that prophetic word. He has caught up to us, and he is demonstrating and reorienting and shifting and changing god is doing this in our midst it's it's repentance repentance is changing the way you think it's not even crying although there's been lots of weeping but not over any particular sin or thing like that it's a reorientation of our inward parts like our perspectives our appetites our goals our visions you know and this is there's many things. I'm just going to try to create a backdrop of the significance of the timing and orchestration of the Lord. Today is the 11th day of Nisan. 
This is the first month of the Jewish calendar. Just a few highlights of this month. It's the month of spring, Kadesh Ahaviv, which is Exodus 13:4. It means fullness since crops are plump and ripe, at least in this part of the world here. <laughs> it means father since it's the beginning of the ripening season. Oh, get that. This is the month of father. And Father is going to bring fruition out of our lives and our hearts. Oh. This is the first month, like I said, it was the month that the Israelites celebrated coming out of Egypt into Cain and the Promised Land. Passover will be on the 15th and in four more cycles, right? Periods, days. Nisan is a miracle month. Yeah, I'll take it. So this 11th day of Nisan, 5783, on this same day, thousands of years ago, at this very point in time, the Israelites had just broken into Canaan and all of the men were being circumcised. This is a significant time. Like, this didn't just all happen by coincidence. God, in his eternal perspective, said, I am going to do something in the hearts of man at this very point in time. And I, I want you to really be sobered by this and get a hold of this, this idea that, you know, he's challenging expectations. That's part of the repentance here. Is consider this. Entering the promised land started with a miserable day. Like, not a celebration. They didn't take out their wine and start saying, we've made it, we crossed the, the Jordan, we're in the promised land. They took out knives and cut all the men up. There wasn't like Novocaine. I mean, I want you to get the reality of this. They break into the promised land and misery settles on them for a few days as they consecrate their hearts. I want you to get some of the, the import of the faultiness of our human expectations. Yeah, we're in the promised land. Let's break it open and party. And God's like, circumcise all your hearts. Where I'm about to bring you, you need to be purified and you need to repent. It's going to cost you. It's going to make you miserable. Don't worry, there's, it's, it gets better. I want you to get a hold of this process we're in. Think about it. Mary and Joseph. I really th think there's a parallel with us as a community. Accommodating God, accommodating this, the presence, the work of God. Okay, think about it. They were from nowhere. We are from nowhere. We're not a big name. We're not a big reputation. Wyndham is not a big city. It's a Nazareth. Think about the feelings of Mary and Joseph. Shame, no crowds. They were literally just saying, we've heard from the Lord, but there's hostility around us. There's questions. There's what's going on. 
I shared with you over the past weeks how expectations of people that were coming to visit were different. You know, like, why has he chosen here now? I don't know. Because he's God and he just chose it like he chose Nazareth. Where are the crowds? Where's the fanfare? I know that Mary and Joseph felt this. Because they, like, as soon as this baby was ready to be born and everything, they're starting to exile. They're, like, heading out of town, trying to find a place for this baby to be born. There's no one to accommodate them. He sleeps in a manger with animals, the king of all creation. I mean, does that not break human expectations? Think about it. Think about all of the different things that you know, didn't match up to what they thought. You know, I feel there's a hiddenness, an element of timing that we're in right now. There's a hidden place. Mary and Joseph were in hiddenness. They became nobodies, and they went through and sojourned through the country, gave birth, and no one was there for the birthing of the great creator of the heavens and earth, the one that was the word before the beginning of time that became flesh. Just a few discerning hearts. I want you to get this. It's profound. Only a few discerning hearts who were in tune with the Spirit and really looking at the signs in the heavens and understanding God's movements and the seasons and they, they traveled from afar sacrificially to show up for this momentous event. And there was no one else around except a few little people of the family, some shepherds. Oh, man, but all heaven was there. All heaven was looking, peering, watching, saying, this is the mystery that was withheld for ages and it has come this time of the revealing of the Son of God. Oh Lord. Think about Jesus entering Jerusalem on a donkey. Think about the Garden of Gethsemane. He's there. And all his disciples are thinking, He's going to call an army. We're going to overthrow the government. And yeah, we're going to be in control of the world. That was their expectations after following Jesus for I don't know how many years. What, three? And instead he says, no, no. You are not thinking properly. You are missing it. To the people who were closest to him all those days on the earth. He's like, no, that's not how this is all going down. There's a mystery being unfolded here that you're going to witness. It broke. It, God doesn't move according to human expectations. And that's why we need this season of repentance. It's a reorientation of our hearts and souls. There's supernatural activity taking place. I mean, I was in Iowa this last week, and YWAM was up here pouring their hearts out, and 
I just, when I was watching on live stream, I'm like, something is going on here. And the guy in the middle just was like, there was just fire on him, right? And so I'm there, and my mom's like, Sean, did you just, right before he got up, did you see the white dove fly in and land on him before he got up on stage? And I'm like, no, I just, I didn't see the beginning part. I tune in the end, and she said, I'm going to go back. It has to be on the video. Like, I saw this. And then I shared it with the team after, and they were like, oh, man, we all thought, like, what is going on with our friend here? Like, the Spirit of the Lord just fell on him, and he was, he was just releasing fire out of his heart to the Lord. There's designating of the Spirit of God on people's lives to accommodate him. Like, there is supernatural work going here. That's why, you know, I interviewed a bunch of people here, and because um, I've been... All the past week, I've carried this burden in my heart, like, how are people responding? How are people processing their hearts and mind? And I had this heavy burden that there was people getting tired or people not seeing it. And, and carrying that burden has been, like, so real. Um, and I've been praying that God would just continue to sustain. I mean, one night... Like my son laughed the next morning. I woke up and I said, I fell asleep on the couch watching live stream. And all night in my dream, all I did, I was going to people, preaching and declaring, open your eyes. Don't you see? The Lord's visitation is on the earth. Can't you see? I'm telling you, it doesn't look like normal. This is what's happening. And I was pleading with people all night in my dream. So I told Stephanie this and then, Cole woke up out of bed, came out, and he said, Oh, Dad, you were snoring on the couch so bad. I got you on video. And in my dream, I'm like going, I'm like, I know what I was doing. I was like preaching and compelling people and persuading. And I remember such frustration in the dream because I'm like, I'm sharing like, this is what's happening. Can you see it? And people are just going, and everything humanly is all frustrated like we were supposed to start preaching at this big there was a thousand people at one of the places i was preaching and i was supposed to start at four and i'm like there was just all of this stuff well i didn't start till six and i'm saying i think it's indicative of this this move of the lord is messing with human perceptions in a real way even human planning even human everything human he's like i don't operate according to human standards i am god and i will do what i please when i want how i want oh but it is a heavy burden there was a really cool thing that happened um can you guys pop up the the picture of costello um this picture here okay this was a guy that was in our youth ministry back in 1997. And David Costello is a, just an amazing artist. He does mostly pencil. This is all pencil. You can't see the detail of it, but this is the harvest angel that he saw in a, a vision right in the middle of this youth service. And, you know, this church is planted as a result of that move that started in those 90s and and started youth storm and started crossing well there was a, a guy um eric is he here today no okay he
he's here, he, pray, he comes and prays. He drives two hours to get, to get here throughout the week and just, you know, pray regularly. And um, if you want to just pray, play that quick little uh, clip, I want you to hear this. You can't see anything. You just got to listen. But it's him praying here during the day one day. I don't know. And I just thought it was so significant. Just listen carefully to this. myriads of people to say have testimonies I feel compelled to say this I forget what point but I know God's bringing in a great harvest but sometimes he shows you things they need to I feel like I need to come under agreement because he showed me it I literally saw and I'm probably not going to be able to keep it together because it just wrecked me I just saw I saw two or whatever I saw a big angel and I had a sickle and it was he did he just went like this and, and the harvest was just so massive and I just and I know it's real because and we know it's coming but there's just something about acknowledging I like I just I just really felt compelled to say that and acknowledge that because you know when God shows you things you, it's, it's there's just something about acknowledging what he's doing I mean, we know, but there's just there's power in acknowledging it and coming into agreement with it. And I'm, it's not like we haven't been doing that, but I just felt like that was my part to, to share that, because um, it was very real and very vivid. And um, so I just thank you, Lord. I just come into agreement. You know, you you send a, you we have, you send us angels. I just I thank you for that harvest. That's what he called it. It was a harvest angel. And it's, and it's here. And it's not, it's not going to leave. God just sent it to us and it's not going to leave. It's not going to leave. Please hear me, it's not going to leave. It's not going to leave. He sent it here for what he's doing here. Thank you, Lord. Whew. This is like powerful. This is... This is, this is, God is doing something supernatural. That's what I'm trying to convey. And it's not for our church. It's for this region. It is, it is a powerful thing that he is showing up. And an angel doesn't like win a couple souls. In a night, an angel like, a death angel killed like lots. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands. Well, a harvest angel can bring lots of souls to the Lord. You know, this is, there's lots of implications. We're not going to get into that today, but there are a lot of implications about preparation for this event. It is coming, folks. The harvest is coming. And this is a critical season for repentance. I'm telling you. Um, I want to look at, I want to kind of just read through this small portion of Acts 2. We all understand it as like when God, you know, 
the apostles preached and 3,000 people came to the Lord. And then we see what the aftermath of this looks like. You can turn to, to Acts 2. And I want to just highlight a few things because there's some things that I didn't see until last week when I was at Build and I was given a presentation of what was happening here. And I just, I read this brief passage here. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Listen to this. Everyone kept feeling. You know, we're, we're not super open with feelings and stuff, but everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. And many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles, and all the believers were together and had all things in common. And they would sell their property and possessions to share them with all to the extent that anyone had need. Day by day, with one mind in the temple. What? I tell you, I've, I must have read this millions of times, and I, that never stood out like it stood out to me last week. I was like, the acts environment and culture involved a temple where people went day by day. I was like, that is intense. No wonder there was such a culture of family and relationships and sharing joy because they're seeing each other every single day and breaking bread from house to house. There's your life group model right there, that house church network. All the believers were together. Um, day by day, continuing one mind. That's prayer, worship, scripture in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, the implications of this is in our pursuit to pattern ourselves after that culture that's communicated in Acts, in addition to the things we normally discuss, like breaking of bread, apostles' teaching, which is our first principles, a lot of our leadership material, we're taking it right from the apostles' teaching. We're being established in that, that fellowship, that prayer. We need to consider aspects of devotion that I don't think we've considered. This prayer feeling of a sense of awe I, I mean we're trained right as good christians like don't go by your feelings well god is a god of feelings as well if our hearts are generating the right feelings you see like fear generates feelings of fear things like that insecurity scarcity anxiety mistrust but when we have the holy spirit in us and he's he's stirring filling us then we have feelings of awe and wonder and feelings of oh lord trust faith <clears throat> and how about day by day continuing with one mind in the temple this is <clears throat> this is this word the word it's painting a very clear picture of what happened when the power of the spirit was poured out on the earth and this is the same thing that happens that we've in this whole move this visitation which yes the bible is clear he is with us always even unto the ends of the age this is the end of the great commission but not always manifest not always saying i am here i'm rolling up my sleeves and i'm gonna do 
some God type things in your midst. This is what we see in Acts 2. We see feelings of sense of awe, supernatural generosity, sharing, unity, one mindedness is what we started the year out with before this happened. This theme gladness, sincerity, praise, favor, and growth. The Lord added to their number day by day salvations. God is bringing in many new people, preparing more hearts to be established in the apostles' teaching and to churches to be planted. This is what I want to close out with, because this, this atmosphere of Acts was full of energy, full of supernatural happenings, full of repentance. People's lives were being turned upside down, and they got, and that's why the repentance message isn't condemning and heavy. That changing the way we think allows us to enter into this Acts reality of the Spirit releasing freshness and life and favor and sincerity and a sense of awe. You're just walking around rather disoriented because God is so great. You're like, i got to gain my bearing here. And I'll tell you, some of you, when you start, I've, in my interview of people, um, many of the people that come say that when they press that commitment button of like a certain block of time to come and pray, they feel anxiety rise up in their heart and they start getting all hit with warfare. And I've t many people I've talked to have said this. And they said it's like very difficult to get here. And once they do, they're like, why all that feeling? I'm, this is glorious. This is awesome. Oh. And he, they sense the presence and then they don't want to leave. They just stay and they linger. I talked to Steph. I said, I got sucked in the vortex today because I show up just wanting to pop in for a little bit at the church. And then before you know it, I'm like, I'm like, I can't leave this place. I just, I'm sucked into the fellowship and the, the awe of what God's doing and, and just the prayers of people. Same thing happens at night when I go to go to bed. I've almost every night just been falling asleep listening to the live stream. And then I have these crazy supernatural happenings in my dreams, intercession through the night. It's, it's, it's a different life. I don't know. It's, it's, it's very heightened. And what I want you to see is when you go and you experience these initial thoughts, you've got to learn from the few times and realize, I know why it's happening, because there's warfare, there's oppression that automatically wants to steal this away from me, steal this reality of walking into this. He wants to break it down. The enemy wants to cause it to become mundane, cause it to become a burden, cause it to be this thing that you feel imposed upon you instead of this thing that should flow from this invitation that God gave us when he came. Would you be willing to accommodate me? And it's as real as the baby in the manger. It's a real, real visitation from God where he is really saying, will you? He's saying it to every single one of our hearts, all of us. He's saying, will you accommodate me? Will you accommodate me? Will you accommodate me? And we have to answer. I want to end with this little piece here. You know, right after this circumcision that I talked about, there's, I have to look up the scripture on my phone here. Um, I have it already photoed, so. 
can turn there if you want with me. It's um, Joshua 5. And then we're going to go to Judges really quick. You need a little time there. But right after this circumcision, right, all the people are, which if you're new to the Lord, circumcision, it's symbolic of what needs to take place in all of our hearts. It's this cutting away of the extra stuff around our heart, the extra things, the things that contend with our affection to God. It's a purifying of our heart and our affection and our devotion to God. It's a purifying of that. God cutting away. It's that stone heart becoming a heart of flesh. It's that things coming to life inside you, which is what I believe Finney um, defines revival as. It's a pushing back of the things of the world, the cares of life, that we're actually able to breathe the life of God and live for him and have affection toward him. That's what revival is. These souls we're talking about, that's awakening, right? Um, so in Joshua 5, we read about the circumcision, but I want you to go down right after this whole circumcision moment. Verse 13 of Joshua 5. Now it came that after, about when Joshua was taken by Jer was, was by Jericho, he raised his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went and said to him, Are you for us or our enemies? He said, No. <laughs> Rather, I have come now as captain of the army of the Lord. Up oh, the picture's not. There we go. No, rather, I've come now as captain of the army of the Lord. And Joshua fell on his face to the ground and bowed down and said to him, What has my Lord to say to his servant? And the captain of the Lord, army of the Lord began to really give some instruction. This is what you're to do. Now that you're circumcised, we're going to go and win this war. And we find out what the specifics of what they did a little later. If you turn to Judges 2. This same army of the, of the Lord, angel of the army of the Lord, comes, this captain, comes again because it says right here in verse 1 of Judges 2, now the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal. That's where the, the hill of foreskins was. That's where the circumcision took place. The repentance, the purifying of hearts. So he came from there and he said, I brought you out of Egypt. See, this angel was a sign to bring the Israelites out of Egypt into the promised land, prepare them for what he had for them, which was full inheritance of the promised land full realization of God's promises to the nation of Israel. It only takes one angel. <laughs> and the angel said, I brought you out of Egypt and led you into the land which I had sworn to your fathers, and I said, I will never break my covenant with you. Remember the word of encouragement in the beginning of service about covenant? We didn't confer about that. And as for you, you shall not make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land. You shall tear down their altars. But you have not obeyed me. So here's the truth. 
This angel of the Lord comes back again and says, listen to me, Israel. I was clear what you needed to do. You needed to take full occupation, meaning destroy every single enemy in the land that I was about to give you. But you have not obeyed me. The consequence here, folks. What is this thing that you have done, he says? Therefore, I also said, I will not drive them out from you. But they will become like thorns in your sides, and their gods will be a snare to you. This is where I want to leave a challenge today, because we've had many promises from the Lord. And I even believe our region has promises from the Lord. I believe this angel of the Lord, this invitation from the Lord has gone out to churches all across New England. I believe he's giving this invitation all over the country. And you know, as we're full of grace and we're like, oh, it's great though, no problem, God. He just loves us. Everything will be fine. This is the same God that told Israelites, I will no longer fulfill my full promise to you. You're going to have enemies left because you didn't obey me and you didn't complete the job and fully obey me. You've partially obeyed me and as a result, I'm going to partially fulfill the promise to give you the whole land. You have thorns that are going to be like snares to you that are going to constantly harass you because you didn't fully obey me. This, folks, is the challenge that struck my heart in this scripture. We have a choice. We always have a choice in the Lord. He has his will. He has his plan for us individually, as a family, as a church family, and as a whole network of churches, big C. And we have a choice whether we will fully obey him. Not all his promises like this that he made to the Israelites are unconditional. They're dependent upon our responsiveness and our obedience. If we don't fully obey the Lord, we won't fully receive the promise that he has given to us. And that is why this season of repentance is vital because obedience to the Lord doesn't come out of like grin and bear it. It comes out of a heart that is pliable and willing and just says, I love you, Lord. Yes. It's an easy yes because our heart's been prepared. If you wait and just say, oh, I'll just deal with it. I'll make the right decision. I'll have self-government. <clears throat> it has to be done almost in a, it's a, it's a, active obedience but it's passive because we're we're actively pursuing the lord and letting him change our heart and do what's necessary for that yes to be a passive yes of course lord i'd love to do that see we're we're overcoming some of the that pressing that button that prayer block button that same turmoil that we've experienced right like ah uh, we press it because we have a desire but then when the enemy's like, 
bam, bam, commitment, see, oh, burden. And then that period of time between that and the, the actual time you come, spiritual warfare, pestering of the enemy, till we come and then we're like, what was that all about? Ah. And we just want to bathe in the presence of the Lord. And then we end up being here longer than we even attended to be here because God's just like, I love you. Let me lavish you with my presence and my goodness and my love. And you're like, oh, you're so good. You're too good, Lord. We're faced with this. And that, folks, is a little microgiant compared to what we will have to destroy in occupying the promised land. Lots of, lots of activity in the supernatural realm right now. There are, I mean, we just destroyed a bunch of books that were put in the little bookshare, witchcraft books in there. And we leafed through them and took them and burnt them. We've had, oh, the, the town is at it again. So mark your calendars. I think it's April 12th. I'll confirm it. And maybe, Kurt, you can send out a CCB. But I need all Wyndham residents to show up at a public hearing of the planning board they basically are passing a town ordinance that said tents over 400 square feet must go before the planning board for site plan approval. So I need people there that are Wyndham residents to come and just say, we don't agree with this. Michael Cole, I need you there, man. You are, you are such an articulate voice. Last time he, he, he rocked it in there. He just spoke and it was like, whoa. It's okay. I'm sharing this all to say there are spiritual realities that are because ah, God is here and he's saying, but there's much prayer and much power of what is happening. And God is building this canopy of protection and favor, this acts to reality, right? So we're only going to see victory of the Lord. We're only going to see, regardless of what ordinances or whatever, we're seeing God's hand is going to move in spite of whatever. So, but we're still going to put our best foot forward and steward the best we can and show up, right? But I want to just close in prayer that God would continue to work in our hearts. Every single one of us in our mind, in our thoughts, in our emotions, in our families, giving us strength and courage, all the things that have been, we've been exhorted in today to fully enter into the promises, the rest of God, his presence, his power, his fulfilled promises. Lord, oh Father, have mercy on us. We do not want to be those who disobey or, or partially obey, which is even more insidious because there's a partial doing good but it's not all you've called for us to do and so it's deceiving in that we've done good things but not everything that you've called us to do so i pray for an outpouring on us this day this 43rd day of your visitation and I pray upon all the people, even those on the live stream that have frequented, Lord, I pray for sustaining power. Your visitation to do a complete work of repentance in us, Lord. We won't just take some and say, oh, that's enough. 
But Lord, we open up our heart fully to the deepest parts and cracks and crevices of it and say, Lord, come, come and fill, displace every work of human engineering. We just pray for you to come and, and be our God and let us be your people. Let the fullness of your covenant be laid out before us, Lord, and that, Father, when that obedience is called upon to be acted upon, it's, it's automatic. It just flows. It's a responsiveness that's been cultivated in this place of repentance and filling of your spirit. I thank you, Lord, that you prepare us and give us everything we need for life and godliness. It is not arduous. We just have to be willing. And I pray that, I pray that for mercy to be extended upon all people, Lord. The churches that are involved, Lord, all of the people. I pray for a, a mercy to be upon a gracious work where hearts are prepared. I pray for your anesthesia for those who are stubborn. Lord, I pray, I pray for as much grace and mercy as been can be given that not one would miss out on what you intend to do which is change a human heart to be pliable and willing to accommodate you Lord we pray for the fullness of your promises the fullness of your spirit to be released upon our personal lives upon our homes upon our churches Lord God and upon the church in New England. Lord, even our, our guests who are watching overseas, I pray, Lord God, that you would let this be extended to them, Lord God. Draw them in. Draw all nations into your heart, Lord. You are the God of the nations. Pray, Lord God. We pray as you have blessed us. We pray your blessing would be extended, Lord God, to all men all nations, all tribes, all peoples, Lord. Come and cover the earth with your goodness, with your repentance, with your visitation, tangible presence of God, changing stubborn hearts, changing things that couldn't be changed, shaking things that couldn't be shaken. Come on, I feel like God's customized a response for you to him now. So come on, we're just going to begin to worship and I just, I challenge you to just deal with whatever it is, wherever God's brought you today in this journey, this journey into his promises, just respond to it. Every single one of us is different. We have these custom paths that he's carved out for us and laid out before time's beginning for you to walk in and realize his goodness, his fullness, his fathering the visitation upon your heart, the day of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus.
good. I just want to share on top of what Sean is saying that as we respond to the Lord, part of my prayer this morning, I was uh, doing the 4 to 6 a.m. block this morning. One of the things I began to cry out was just, you know, around the faithfulness of God. I, I sang for an hour straight about the Lord who is the I am. And then begin to just lean into this place that God is the one who wills and does in us according to his own good pleasure. You know, the scriptures say, work out your salvation with fear and trembling because it is God who is at work in you. And so as we kind of respond and, and because this moment of, it is, we need to fear the Lord. We need to tremble at his word and what he's doing. But as we do it, we, you know, like Israel, they didn't understand it. Christ was the end of the law. And they didn't submit themselves to the righteousness of God. They sought to establish their own righteousness. And that's why they fell, because they entered into striving rather than into his rest, knowing that it was God alone that was going to do this for them. You know, that faith and reliance upon God is what empowers us to walk in his rest, walk in his ways. And as we stand before the Lord in this season of repentance, of consecration, we have to do it from an acknowledgement of God's ability to produce in us what he's after. Like God's, the new covenant is that he would put his laws in our heart and give us a new spirit that desires to obey him. And just to say that we, we have to acknowledge that he is working in us. If we're willing to just continually surrender to the work of His Spirit in us, friends, it brings us into rest because we cannot strive on our own. We have to do it with assurance that God is faithful to do what He said. To complete in us a perfect word. To receive with meekness the implanted word that's able to save us. The desire of man cannot produce the righteousness of God. We must receive the implanted word He's given us. And part of my meditation was in 2 Corinthians where it says, you know, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been a yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership upon us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Every promise that God has spoken, it is a yes and amen in Christ. It is done in him and therefore we must come and surrender to Christ who is the head. A surrender to Christ and trust in His ability to complete His work in our hearts. So the scripture says, hey, when your hearts condemn you or when your hearts are overwhelmed, God is the strength of your heart and your portion forever. The Lord is greater than your heart and knows all things. His Spirit is able to do the work in you if we just yield in faith to His mighty workings. We want to agree in faith that he is able to complete what he started. So as we respond, let our hearts just say amen.
we through him say amen to the glory of God because in Christ it is a yes friends he's given us a divine invitation but his heart for you and I is yes yes and he is able to make us stand firm in Christ he is able to keep us from stumbling and present us to himself faultless and radius he is a able to make us possess and inherit the land he is able to position our hearts for every good work he is able to produce in us the willingness to obey all is from him and by him and for him and through him and unto him so as we respond as we fear the Lord let your heart just acknowledge God's faithfulness and ability to produce in you what is necessary to possess the promise ahead of us. Amen? Amen. Thanks, man. Let's, let's turn off the mics now. Let's respond to God, okay? No more sharing. We're just going to respond to God. We got to hit this hard, and let's respond to him personally with all our hearts. Come on, let's go.